Thanks, Jesus. I've never gotten as hungry as I did when David was closing out worship this morning. Um, <laughs> I was praying for somebody, and I was like, at first I thought I heard something about a biscuit or a roll, and I, I was like, yeast roll, the good ones. And I'm like, I better keep focused, and I'm praying. And I heard a baked potato. And he's like, and then we, was there a salad? Oh, I, I didn't even hear it. See, that's how it works with my, that's, <laughs> there's a lot behind that. I didn't even hear the salad part. I was completely missed that. Mm. <laughs> but I heard the steak. <laughs> oh, I feel Jesus on that one. You can have your salad too. You can have your salad too. Oh, my goodness. I want to pray over a couple of things, and I'm going to jump in because i got a lot to share. And uh, I don't want to keep you here all day. can't promise the Holy Spirit won't, but I, I won't. Um, I want to pray over these fires that are going on in Australia. Um, but the, I did read this morning. I woke up very early, and I wrote, read an article that was put out at 5.45 a.m. this morning that seemed to be, at least at the article I read, that there were some improvements that some of the major fires where they were getting under control and the conditions had shifted some. And so I don't know if that's still the case, but I did read that before uh, I came in today. But if you don't know, um, at 5.45 this morning, the, there's fires that are going on Australia, it's the worst fires ever. At least at, at 545, 12 million acres have been burned up. 12 million acres. And so, um, yeah, California was two, to put that in perspective. So we're going to pray right now that the rain would be released and that would stop right now. So if you would just pray with me. I saw, a, I saw a picture this morning that just absolutely wrecked my heart. I don't know if anyone else saw it. I saw a father in the water holding his children. Like trying to keep, that's the only place he could take them. They were surrounded by water, and it's this photo of him holding his kids standing in the water. And uh, it just, it, it grabbed my heart. And so right now, in Jesus' name, I command the rain to be released over every area that has a fire in Australia right now. And I speak to, Father, I speak to the atmosphere right now that it would shift in the physical realm over Australia. And Father, even though there may not be expecting rain, we declare that right now that your hand, your miraculous hand would be released and stretched out over Australia and that the rains would begin to pour down. Or if you just want to put out the fires, however you want to handle it. But Lord, we command these fires to be stopped and put out right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, that you would intervene, that Father, that we would see you are so good at taking just the worst things and, and getting good from them. You don't cause them. You didn't do this. But you have a way to make good from it. So, Father, we speak over the families that have lost loved ones, who've lost their homes, they've lost everything. And, Father, we release, Father, the peace that surpasses understanding. They don't understand. They don't need to. They just need peace right now. So, Lord, we release that in the name of Jesus over them. And we expect when we get out of this service, by the end, we're going to see a major shift in the situation with these fires. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We also speak to the hostility that's going on in the East right now. That, is, uh, that has Americans and Christians in danger after the, uh, the, they've slayed this general. And uh, we just pray that, Father, you would surround your people, Lord. You would surround everyone. They're all your kids. And you would surround these folks, Father. And that you would bring your spirit into the midst of this. And that you're, um, we just believe for the miracles that we hear about from Heidi Baker's ministry where 
although these, um, these terrorists have one agenda, Lord, you step in and, and you change everything. You change everything. I release really big angels. Like the angels that when they see them, they back down. That they would be all over the place in the east right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks, Father. Thanks, Father. You're so good. Well, the, last week I, I, uh, I talked about, it's good to see everybody. Good morning. <laughs> if I missed that, good morning. Now we can keep going. Um, I talked a little bit about faith last week. I talked about walking on water. And um, how many of you were not here last week? Raise your hand. Okay, not too, too many of you. Kind of just opened up uh, the conversation on walking on water. And this morning, I want to talk to you about faith, maybe from a little bit of a different angle. I pray I can get through this well. Some of it's rather fresh to me. It's easy to go up here and talk about things that I've been chewing on for a really long time, but I really felt like the Lord wanted to give something fresh on the topic of faith. Because how many know that it's faith that pleases God? How many know that if you find, you know, what pleases God, it'd be great to know how to have more of it? <laughs> if my wife said, hey, this pleases me, I'm going to pay attention. And I'm going to get really good at how can I please you. And so I want to talk about faith and maybe draw some lines between some things that maybe we thought was faith and it wasn't, or how we can grow in faith. And so if you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke uh, chapter 17. And I'm going to open up with you. Luke chapter 17, verse 5. Luke chapter 17, verse 5, and the apostles said to the Lord, so they're speaking to Jesus, they say, increase our faith. Everybody say, increase our faith. faith. One more time. Increase our faith. How about three times? Increase our faith. And the apostles, um, he replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Stop there. Usually when people talk about the idea of faith, they refer to faith as small as a mustard seed, which is cool. Matter of fact, that's usually every sermon I've typically heard on faith has been, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. That's not answering their question yet. That's just telling you how much just the smallest amount of faith can do. It's not the answer to their question. Their question was, how do I have more faith? And before he answers it, he says, well, let me first of all tell you about faith. Just a mustard seed is is amazing. But that's not how you grow in faith. And so let's let's read on because it goes into a a piece of scripture here that is kind of awkward. Suppose one of you, anybody ever like some scriptures until you kind of get some clarity? They're just awkward. All right, you guys are way more spiritual than me, man. I read some of them like, huh? What? So verse, verse uh, 7, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? 
So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, you should say, we're unworthy servants, we've only done our duty. Okay, I imagine that when he said that, the apostles were like, huh? How do we grow in faith? Well, here's the deal. It's like there's a master and a servant. We can read this, and there's a couple pieces we can get really easily. We know he's the master, we're the servant. That's pretty easy, right? Not a trick question. I knew I was going to run into some, some interesting pieces when I talk about this. After, so he's, he's trying to teach them, here's how you grow in faith. After working all day, after working out in the field, you're not going to come in before the master and just sit down to eat. You're going to come in and say, how can I serve you? Now, what we run into on this topic of when I start talking about faith is I'm also a major proponent of identity, knowing who we are in Christ, not striving. I'm a big proponent of all that. I find, though, that there's a lot of people that have really gotten a hold of the, well, I don't have to strive, I can just be in him kind of people, which is so true, have a really lacking faith. Because, here's the thing, salvation is completely free. You're good. You receive it. It's yours. Faith, on the other hand, is extremely expensive. People that do things for God that have great faith, it has cost them something. I don't care who they are. People that I bring in that are doing something for the Lord that are really doing something different. I mean, it's unique. It's big. If you were to sit down with them and say, has this cost you much? It's always going to be a, has it cost me? They may not whine, but there, there's always, I don't know how many conversations I've had in that little room over there with guys, and they tell you the stories of like the cost that has been to get where they are now that they may not talk about up here, just, just, just because it may not be the right thing to do. But you hear their hearts sometimes, and they begin to share, here's what I've been through. And you begin to find that Jesus is explaining something. Listen, for you to grow in faith, it takes sacrifice. It means that even after you have served and you have loved and you have, you have warmly embraced people and you've been out in the field doing your thing and you come in my presence, guess what? It's in that place you're going to serve me. Let's, let's think about the, the word servant for a moment because I know that we've done such a good job at, I, I believe, building a culture of friendship and intimacy with the Lord that some people even don't understand the word servant. Like, well, I'm not a servant. I'm not a slave. You need to understand, I don't have time to read all these scriptures, but there's a few different ones if you want to write them down. Uh, one of them's in 1 Corinthians 7.21 and the other one's in Romans 1 where it talks about, Paul's talking about the idea that I am a bond servant. Big difference between a bond servant and a servant. What is a bond servant? Bond servant in this context is saying, I'm free. Like, I'm free. But you know what? Out of my love, I choose to serve you and be your servant until the end. You'll hear Bill Johnson speak, if you've listened to any of his stuff, that leaders should lead with the heart of a servant. It's so important because you have to keep grounded. You have to keep your heart planted in a place where I am a servant. And Jesus was laying out this concept. He says, you want to learn how to grow in faith. You need to learn how to serve more. 
but not just serve in ministry, not serve on the worship team. I'm going to use some different terminology here in a minute. How to offer up a sacrifice to the Lord. So now we're talking about ministering to the Lord, not not ministering out working in the field is the other stuff. We're not talking about that. I'm not going to do this and then at the end try to get people to volunteer. That's the field stuff. He said, after you've been out there in the field doing all that work, you've been going and doing this stuff, then you come in and you're tired. Can you come in and say, now I just want to feed you? Yes, I am a friend of God. Yes, I am a child of God. Yes, I'm in him. He's in me. And yes, I choose to serve. Some of you, if you get this, your marriages will be better too. I'm married. I love my wife. We are one. I choose to serve. I'm okay with that. Now, it would be a lot more uncomfortable if she demanded that I serve. Then it would be getting awkward. And she has never once in our entire marriage demanded anything like that. But I choose to serve. I love her. I want to serve. There is, so when we talk about this, what I feel is so easy to do is we swing back into that unhealthy, well, you know, you're just a slave and a sinner and all this. That's not where we're going. You are not a sinner just saved by grace. You were a sinner who got saved by grace. Now you're kings and priests. You're good now. Like, you're not a sinner anymore. Like, why do we get baptized if you kill the old man? And then every time we say that, it's like we're digging him back up. Well, let me dig you out of the grave for a minute and say, I'm just a sinner, and then put you back down. Either you're saved or you're not. Either the blood is good enough or it's not. Either the cross is enough or it's not. You can't have both. And so when you give your life to him, the great news is, is that you are a new creation. You're a new creature. But then you get to say, from this place of health and wholeness and my love for you, I want to serve you. And so the disciples are saying, hey, how do we grow in faith? And Jesus is like, when you are flat worn out after working in the field, you get to step into a place of sacrifice. And in that place of sacrifice, you begin to feed me. Now, I want to break this down because I know I'm throwing some really big ideas at you right now, and I'm going to just make it bite size. What can we give God? Right? There's a good question. He's got, you know, people would say, he's got everything. What do we have that he wants? One of the things we see all throughout Scripture that we can give to God is glory. Everywhere we see that. I can show it to you in the Old Testament, New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant, Psalms. We can give him glory. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody, that was perfect, whoever you are. Um, (laughs) It was dead silent. I was like, (laughs) giving him glory. What we can do is, is what we see throughout, we see throughout Scripture, and I'm going to show you some things. We see a pattern throughout Scripture that when someone offered up a sacrifice to the Lord, when they offered him glory, at some point, he responds with a word. This is a really big deal. In Genesis, at Genesis 
uh, chapter 8, I believe. Genesis, oh, too far. Chapter 8, verse 20, I believe. Then Noah built an altar, so this is after the flood. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. Okay, this is Old Covenant. They, it wasn't like what you and I live in. This is the best sacrifice he could offer up to the Lord. So after the flood, Noah built an offering, offered a sacrifice to the Lord. I want you to notice this. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans. And he goes on and gives the promise about never again will he flood the earth. Notice the pattern. Noah builds an altar. He gives his sacrifice to the Lord. The Lord says, at some point, the aroma smelt good to the Lord. From the place of the Lord's pleasure, he says, he gives him a word. He says, I'll never do this again. You see the picture of giving glory to God? He receives it, he's satisfied, and he speaks a word. One of the things you're going to see is very, very, very often throughout the scripture, when an offering is lifted up before the Lord, old covenant and a new covenant, he responds with a word. Why is that important? What does that have to do with faith? Well, faith comes by hearing the word. So if you want to back it up a little bit, how do I grow in faith? I need to first learn how do I grow in the Lord speaking in my life. You can't just jump right ahead to, I just grow by the words. Well, are you hearing him? Is he speaking to you? Because if he's not, that's where we're going to start, is how do I offer things? How do I live in a place where he speaks to me? Because when he speaks, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but when he speaks, when he puts that word in your spirit, faith explodes. Faith begins to explode in your spirit. We see it again in, in Hebrews chapter 11. It's known as the faith chapter. It talks all about faith. And in that chapter, we read where Abel had offered up, there's a recap, when Abel had offered up his first fruits to God. And when God had received the offering, he spoke a word to Abel and said, this is a big one, you're righteous. This came from a place of sacrifice. This was, this was their version of offering up a sacrifice of glory to the Lord. Thank goodness we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> My wife's an animal lover. She'd been in trouble. But we, we, go, we get to come in, and I'm going to bring all this together. I think this, even though I'm talking about faith, this is probably going to end up actually being more vital to a word on worship than, it, than anything. Because I don't think we quite understand it fully, but there was an offering offered. Glory was given to the Lord. And at some point, I don't know what point, but at some point it smelled good. I think a lot of people quit before he ever gets to the point where it smells good. But I'll get to that later. So the big question is, what does this all tie into faith? Well, like I said, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. 
something that we have to understand. I'm going to flip over now if I can figure out where. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to actually work our way backward, but Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, and it's a scripture we're all familiar with because I just read part of it. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Everybody knows that part, right? Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, this is where things get fun because we live in a culture that is more and more against rewards. I thought I knew this would be fun. Um, So I coached a t-ball team when my my son was in t-ball. I love baseball. My wife thinks it's boring. I love it. No. No. For the glory leaving, right, when you said that. We can edit that out of the video, hopefully. Um, (laughs) So I I do. I enjoy baseball. I really like baseball. And you completely made me forget what I was going to say. Get back, get back, get back. T-ball. Thanks, guys. For So my son was at T-ball age, and I was like, you know, it's completely up to him. I was not going to force him, but he wanted to play T-ball. So we got him in the T-ball league, and uh, they needed an assistant coach. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll coach, you know, just they need a coach. I ended up somehow becoming the coach. And when we started, they're like, we don't, we don't keep score. I'm like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, who wins? Well, there's no winners and losers. I'm like, well, then why are we playing? <laughs> like, 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 I know I'm rubbing some of you wrong. I'm sorry, but, but I, I, I'm going somewhere with this. I'm like, well, what's the point then? So let me just say, first of all, there was an unofficial score kept, and we were unofficially undefeated for the entire year. <laughs> unofficially. Now, officially, there's no score, and we're all winners, but officially, we were really winners. So, all right. So... <laughs> So I'm like, I'm like <laughs> keeping track on my phone, you know, in my pocket. I'm like, <laughs> afterward, I would tell my little team, I'm like, guys, you won. <laughs> like, we didn't think you got store. I'm like, no, really, you won. <laughs> Which is hard when they're out there with their gloves on their head and looking out in the field and like, hey, back over here, you know. But, but what, what is happening is, is because we're in a culture that is beginning to be more and more against winning and losing, and therefore it's also removing the idea of rewards, it's making it harder for us to, to understand a piece of this scripture that's really important when he says, because anyone who comes in him must believe that he exists and he rewards. What does that mean? He is a rewarder. If you have a hard time with the idea of rewards, you're going to have a hard time of connecting with the nature of God, that he's a rewarder. Now, here's the other thing. He also loves to give gifts. So there's another side of him that's like, you don't deserve this one, but I love you. Here's a great gift. He's that too. But in the context of one of the most well-known scriptures in our Bible, in faith, he says, for you to get this, you have to know he's a rewarder. I heard a story by Harold Eberly, who has massively impacted how I've learned a lot of this. And he told a story about, he said, every Sunday morning, there's a group of very wealthy, very wealthy gentlemen and, and ladies who get on the phone call all over the U.S. 
And Harold had written a book, I can't remember what it was, on, on this scripture. And he said this, he said that when he got on the phone, they said, we're just so excited to have you on our phone call this morning. There's just one thing that you got wrong. Harold was like, that's a great start to the phone call. You know, I'm with some of the most influential guys in the U.S. And the first thing they say is, you're wrong. And Harold's like, I'm a teacher. What, what is it? They're like, you missed the end of this scripture. He's a rewarder. And they're like, we all understand the concept that for us to continually be growing in our faith, we have to understand that he's a rewarder. And if you don't get that part of the nature of God, you're not going to get this. I know, I know. Everybody gets, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes. But there is an aspect of God. That we have to, it said it there, you have to understand, he rewards. Yes, he's, he's love. Yes, he, it says he loves to give good gifts to his children. And yes, he rewards. That's encouraging to me. Now, I don't have time to really, this could go so many different ways because Here's where it can get unhealthy, where people can begin to just strive and strive and strive. And that's not what he's looking for. But he has given us a pretty good layout of if you do this, I'll do this. God's nature is to reward It's his nature to give. It's his nature to love. One of the places that we can give God glory the most is through worship. Um, What you did this morning, I mean, you were lifting up. You could feel the glory going up. You could feel it going up. I could feel it. I don't think, and I say this respectfully, and I don't know that there's like a, I don't think there's a, a time like, you know, at 37 minutes, it smells good to God. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't believe that. I would have the tendency to say that a lot of times in a lot of corporate worship gatherings, they don't stay in it long enough for it to become an aroma before the Lord. Well, what do you mean? We should be able to just, no, that's where that sacrifice comes in. Why do you, can I, I'm going to go for it. Why do you think that the glory comes down so, and this is crazy, but why do you think there's so much glory in the room when we remove all of the chairs for Friday night worship service? We just helped you into a place of sacrifice where you have to stay engaged and go for it. It is and again, I'm, I'm not saying if you sit down, you've lost the glory. I'm just saying, there, there's a, <laughs> this is where you get into rules and all that. That's not what I'm saying. But what can happen is, is people will take a break and disengage. Oh, my cell phone's beeping me. And is that a notification I saw? You know? and, and you start getting disengaged. And people begin to disengage themselves. And naturally, when you've removed all the chairs, people are like, this isn't all or nothing. And what happens is, it's no secret recipe like, ooh, remove the chairs, glory comes. 
It's sacrifice and faith rises. Because in a place of sacrifice, that's when he speaks his word. That's why people come. And that's why it's such a privilege for me that people come up to me and say, I've never felt what I felt in a service like this, in this worship service. We hear it so often. And I, and I try my best to really keep myself rooted because I never want to take credit for that. You hear me? Like, I never want to take credit. Like, we, and we honor the worship team, but it's not them either. We just all get to be a part of this whole thing. And people say, I've never felt that in worship before. Typically, it's because there wasn't, you've never been in a service where that was that level of sacrifice before. Why do you think when you go to a foreign missions trip, you experience so much? Because you just stepped into a place of sacrifice. When you give glory to God, when you worship him, you hit a point somewhere, I can feel it. I can feel it in a room when we've hit the point, at least in my worship. I think it's different for everybody, really. I can tell when I hit the point where I'm giving glory to God, and I'm giving glory to God. And I can tell when we're not there yet, and I'm giving glory to God. And I'm like, Lord, I love you. You're so good, and we're singing these songs. Glory to you. And then at some point, it's as if the same as when Abel offered up the sacrifice, and the Lord said, oh, that smells so good. And he says, and he looks, and he speaks. And you're like, oh. and what happens? Faith. Faith comes out. I think we confuse sometimes maybe even the idea of faith with hope. They're not the same. They're important. They're not the same, though. Hit pause on that. I'm bouncing all over the place. You guys are so patient with me. Sacrifice of worship. Sacrifice of worship. I don't believe that God speaks louder in one church than another. I don't believe you walk into one church and, oh, he's so loud here. I believe it's, it's sometimes you walk into different places and it's like, I can feel the sacrifice in this room. I can feel, man, Friday night, you've been working all day. There is an immediate sacrifice to coming. It's like, there just is. We see it in Acts chapter 13. We see another example of this. I'll give you a New Testament example. Acts chapter 13, verse 2 says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit set apart, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to you which I have called to them. Stop there. While they were worshiping and fasting. And may I say this about fasting? You don't fast to get God's attention. You fast to get your attention on God. That's so important. People fast almost like he like like he's like if you fast enough maybe I'll listen. That is a really depressing way to fast. That is the world's worst diet. <laughs> I fast because in times where I would be eating that roll and that <laughs> potato and that steak and my wife's eating the salad. And, and I'm, in that moment when I, when I would be doing that and, and I step aside and I say, Lord, I'm going to just take this time to get my focus on you. I'm giving you this right now. What happens? 
He speaks. You see it right there. Acts chapter 13, another verse where they worshiped the Lord. They gave him glory. And the next verse, and the Holy Spirit said, bringing it back, hearing, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you get good at understanding when, what makes him speak, your faith explodes. I don't know about you guys, but I want to do things that require faith. Like, oh, I'm so tired of, not, of doing things that don't require faith. Like, I, I want to do the things that when people look at, they're like, that's crazy. I'm like, perfect. Because that means I have to have God. I don't, I don't want to end my life and look back and it was just, I want to do things that said, that really took faith. That really took faith. Why? Not because I want people to be all hyped about me because they know he really pleased God because of that faith. Because of that faith. And so I'm not interested like in, in what can I do just to keep the boat afloat. You should know that by now. It's what can I do? And it's, I don't feel like this, for me personally, I don't feel like this, he's not satisfied with me. I do it from his pleasure. I do it from his pleasure. And maybe that's one of the greatest understandings you can get of the difference between going after God and striving. One of them, I do it from a place of pleasure. He is so happy with me. And I say, oh, I just want to give more. Not, not, how do I make you happy with me? That's striving. I already know he's happy. And I say, oh, you're happy. You're happy. Your kids do it. My kids do it anyways. I will be playing and having fun, and daddy will do something. And he's like, oh, oh, dad likes that. And she'll do it again, you know, and it's something funny. And we laugh, and, you know, after the 12th time, you're, ha, 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 you're trying to keep laughing. We're over. It's done. It's not funny anymore. And like any other little kid, okay, we lost it a while ago. But, but you just keep going because why? They're like, oh, I just, I love that I'm doing something that's pleasing to your heart. She's not coming in. There's a difference between a deadbeat dad and the daughter comes in the room and says, how can I make dad happy today? Yeah. If you come into worship like that, it's really hard to sing, you know, you are good. You're so good. I come in from a place saying, oh, he's so happy today. How can I just bring a little more joy to my dad? And I, and I worship him. I give him glory. And I'm giving him glory. And I'm giving him glory. And I'm giving him glory. And sometimes it takes a while. I can't tell you where your line of sacrifice is. Your line of sacrifice is wherever you took the first step past convenient. That's your sacrifice. The very first step beyond convenience is sacrifice. That's why I tell people, like, it, it, it was awkward to go up front. Great. Perfect. You found another way. I don't like singing out loud. Great. That's perfect. Sing out loud. I look for things where I say, I, that's a sacrifice for me. I don't know if you think this way, but I'm, I'm, I'm bringing you into kind of my mind now. I, I'm always looking for ways like, Lord, I just, that's awkward for me. I'm going to do it, but it's awkward. And what happens? I step into that place of sacrifice, and I'm like, oh, I hope he shows up. And boom, a word drops in my spirit. Like, oh, you're pleased. You smell that aroma. 
And he speaks to me, and I'm like, oh, I got this. And how many know the next time you go to do it, it's not that awkward? And that's the process of going from glory to glory. Watch the time here. Because I get excited on this stuff. So he speaks the word to our spirit. He responds. He rewards. And his word is released. It's important to understand that God's word... It's very important. I said this last week. It's important for us to understand that God's word created the world. The world, I want you to get this if you miss, get anything else. The world is submissive to his voice. Let that sink in. The world is submissive to his voice. What about the curse? What about it? It's broken. Well, why do I see things? Because we're still cleaning up a mess. Okay. I want you to imagine if there was a town that was under the oppression of a militant force, and they are just oppressive and oppressive and rules and don't do this and murder and death and all this, and then in comes the, the, the ones that bring us into freedom, and they take them out, and they remove them, and they get them out. How many of you know the town is still a mess? Kids have grown up. It's been happening for 30 years now, and children have grown up with a mindset of, oh, I can't do wrong, and there's mess everywhere. Jesus sent, God sent Jesus, who was the second Adam, who came in and said, I break this curse, but there's still a mess around. We're cleaning it up, but there's no more authority. you got to get this because we have to understand this piece on how important the word of God is. His word spoke into creation, the world. His word created you. He breathed in to this clay. It responds. My dad one time, uh, (laughs) this is funny. I know the joke, so you don't know. It's not funny to you yet. But my dad one time, he he was going to my house. And at this point in time, we had uh, Lulu at our house, this big mastiff. Her head's the size of a bowling ball, man. And, and, and she was in the house, and my dad's like, hey, I need to go over by your house, and I left something at a party. I'm like, yeah, yeah, just go on in. No one's home, but you're going in. And uh, Lulu's like the big sweetheart, you know? She's big, 100-pound, you know? I'm so glad to see you. And, like, and so, like, my dad, I see my phone ringing. It's my dad. I'm like, I told him, like, I have a code on my door. I'm like, here's the code. And I'm like, hey. And he's like, hey, um... I think we're cool, but Lulu's like making a noise behind the door like this, like, and he's like, her lips are like half barking. I'm like, well, that's about all you get out of Lulu. And he's like, I'm going to put you on speakerphone and I'm going to let you talk to the dog. So I'm in my office. I'm like, Lulu, and my dad's like, Oh, she's good now. I'm going in. And, and so, so <laughs> she's like, he's like, her tail's wagging. We're good. And I'm like, woo And uh, so my, my dog, okay, get this. So my dogs, they're, they're submissive to their master. Just like this world is submissive to the master and his words. It submits. My dog is submissive. We don't have conversations. I know it might be rude of me, but like, I'm like, no, you're going to do that, you know. You ought to hear Victor talk to the dogs. That's a whole different, whole different, whole different. We had someone helping us clean our house in the church one time, and one of our dogs had made a mess on the floor. 
and um, they heard this conversation of Victor talking to Fiona like, you're better than this. <laughs> and there's this whole conversation going on with Victor in my box. He's like, Fiona, I know you're better than this. Why? And Fiona's just, oh, he's like, Fiona, let's not do it. And she's never done it again. She's just like, you're better than this, Fiona. And she's like, I know, I know. I got excited. I don't know what happened. And <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. So there's certain things I can say to my dogs that it's like they're the, when my word is spoken, my command, they know it. They know what it means. So if I say, hey, go away, <laughs> go sit down, I, there's certain ways I say things. I can tell other people that come in my house, they're like, oh, the dog won't do this. Oh, oh, say this. Go away. And they listen. Why? Because they know the word of their master who authored it. You guys, when God puts that word in your spirit, he authored it. He wrote it. Not you. But when you speak it, the world will conform to that word. Because it's not about who says it. It's about who authored it. It's not about whose mouth it comes out of. Reinhard Bonnke, who just went to be with the Lord, he makes a statement. He says, God's words in your mouth are no less powerful than God's words in his mouth. So when he speaks and he drops that word in our spirit and you speak it. (laughs) It's got goosebumps. Somebody needs a healing. And you're worshiping. And this happened to me this morning. I was worshiping and someone had told me this morning and they were believing for healing and I, I was giving God glory. I was giving God glory. And I felt him say, he spoke a word, go pray over them. They're going to get healed. All right. All right. What happens? The same words, the same breath that breathed, that created this human body conforms to his word. Next time you feel like you have a word, like, oh, the whole world's against me. No worries. His words created the world. If his words can create the world, his words can change the world. You got to get that. His words created it, and his words can change it. All right. I feel like I'm hitting, hitting the end here. We have dominion over the earth. That was before the curse. Please refer to my section on the curse. (laughs) It's my trying to act like a teacher. (laughs) Oh, all right. Why is faith so important? Let's end up on this. Hebrews 11, verse 1 in the Passion Translation. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality. Okay, say that again. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Passion Translation. This is part of the scripture. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality. Okay, let's end up on this piece. A lot of people have hope. Oh, no, I didn't say stand. I said end up. I'm sorry. I, wow, it must have sounded like it. I said it twice? Y'all are hearing things. Must be the Holy Spirit's just saying, finish up, John. 
If you're not going to say it, I'm going to say it. I've never had everybody stand up on me in the middle of the worship in the sermon. <laughs> Guys, I don't know what I say. I just say what I hear. So, all right, Lord, give me one second. I'll finish this thought. All right. <laughs> Stay seated one moment. <laughs> that freaked me out. Everybody just stood up. This is my worst dream coming true. Everyone's leaving while I'm preaching. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I knew the joy was going to break out. I just didn't know I'd be the one having to... Br- <laughs> be the guy. All right. Hope, 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 hope. Hope is important. I feel like sometimes when we're in a praise service, when we're praising the Lord and we're, yeah, like, I think sometimes what we think is faith is actually great hope has come in the room. People will say, oh, there's faith in this room to do anything. I would often say that maybe there's actually hope in this room that anything can happen. It's a little different. Because excitement and hope is big. People are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, man, I, I just feel like God's going to do this. Like, oh, man, hope, 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 hope. Hope is good. But something else has to be connected to hope to bring it into reality. And it's faith. Some people, when they're praying, I, I can feel actually like you're trying to hope it out of them. No, I mean, it, it's, like, it's like they're hoping, hope, and hope, and hope. Something has to connect with faith. And some people, I can feel a hope in them. It's like, that's great. Like, we need more hope. We need hope. But, but you got to put faith with it. Because faith says, okay, here's this hope. Let's make it real. So when you get into that place of praise, here's why praise and worship is so important. Because you get into that place of just adoration. And you're praising God. And I'm, I'm, I'm finished, but don't stand yet. Um, I... You're praising God. You're praising the Lord. Yes, you are good. You are good. And man, you're like looking around like, man, hope is filling the room. Man, people that came in depressed, they're like, hope came in. I'm watching them shift. I'm watching people shift. Hope, hope. Okay, great. Now I have hope. How do I make it happen? Okay, so then we go from that praise, yeah, to worship. Now we're going to go into this deep place in the Lord. Some people get uncomfortable there. That's okay, because that's where the sacrifice comes in. And so you've got this hope. You've got this hope. You came in, there's a, there's a family situation, and you're just like, oh, it's hopeless. The job situation is hopeless. It's hopeless. And then you're praising God, and you're, oh, hope, hope, hope. Okay, I feel hope. And you get into worship, and you just, God, I give you the glory give you the glory. I give you the glory. I give you all this glory. Some of you have heard the words your whole life and you've never understood like what you're really doing. You're giving him this glory. You're giving him this glory. And all of a sudden he speaks to your heart and says, here's what I have to say about that. (sighs) Faith. Faith is what you have to say about what I'm hoping for. And all of a sudden faith came in and exploded explodes in my spirit and now now I'm walking in a place that's pleasing to God I want to encourage us to be a church that when we worship 
when you feel like it's gone too long or it's whatever. Great. You're in a great place to get some more faith. I'm serious. Like, there are mornings that I'm tired. I know you, you wouldn't think it, but I, I, there's Sunday mornings I'm tired. I'm like, whew. I give you the glory. I give you the glory. And he starts speaking, and I feel that faith rising up. You want to grow in faith? That, and I, I would say faith that changes the world is what I would say. If you want to grow in that faith, he said it in that first scripture I read. When you've been doing all this stuff, you've been out in the field, come in and feed me till I'm happy. <laughs> and then I'll speak a word. And you watch. You watch. One of the things I'm practicing with everything in me is that as things happen in this church, because it's going to happen, we absolutely cannot take credit for it. Because the same way that giving God glory gives more faith, taking on glory cuts it out. And I have a a friend who's a local pastor in town. Robin McMillan's his name. He made this joke. He told me one time, he said, John, let me tell you something. His old Robin voice, southern boy said, you know what I've learned? I'm just not as great as everyone thinks I am. <laughs> He's like, no, for real. He says, everyone's always telling me, great job, great this, great He said, if I listen to all that, I'm going to get a big old head. He says, I was telling myself, I'm not as great as everyone thinks I am. I don't, I don't believe in living in a place of diminishing who God is in us, but I'm talking about keeping a healthy perspective of not taking glory because I don't want to get in that place. And I look around the room and I see God moving. Worship team, God's using you guys. And I'm going to prophesy over you guys. There's going to be a lot coming out from you guys as far as music, songs. I would even say a worship label. It's, it's coming, but don't take glory for it, guys. Stay where you're at. The reason that the worship is so precious here is because you guys have done well at stewarding that I'm just up here to worship the Lord. You've done good. You've done good. And I have one prophetic word, and I'll close. And he's probably not even in here. Colby. All right, Colby, I'm looking at you. (laughs) Through the camera. Yeah, I knew you'd come in. <laughs> Colby. <laughs> he's, he's hungry. He's like, I ain't going to miss my word. Colby, Colby, God's doing something in you. God's doing something in you. And we've talked a little bit outside of this room about it. But um, when you were, when you, one of the things I'm funny about is when people begin to talk during worship, because worship leaders can get too far on the talky side, and I'm always like, well, balance it. But when you spoke this morning, it was very powerful. And I realized um, there was an authority God's putting in you to speak, but it's being formed through worship. And so even though it may feel natural to begin wanting to speak, allow him to keep forming it. But I see in you, when you were prophesying about the diamonds and all that, I could feel it in the room, man. I could feel it in the room. And not only were you recognizing what was happening, you were releasing more of it. And you were bringing the hope in that moment. 
people needed hope, yeah. and you were speaking hope. And like, oh, man, it can, I'm becoming a diamond in this terrible season. And I felt hope coming in. And so um, I just, I release over you, Colby. Just put your hands out, Colby. I just release over you, man, what God is bringing you into is really special. Your value and your love for family is unlike anyone I've actually ever met. We've never had a staff prayer meeting where we didn't pray over something and Colby ended up bringing it into the context of family because you love family. And it's because you have a testimony of what God has done in your life. And now you get to release it into other people. But I bless you. I bless you on what God's bringing you into. It's very new. And he's done so much in your heart already. I've seen it happen from, we've been through some, just the journey of a few years and I've seen so much happen. But I bless you and Jessica and your children. That you guys are such an encouragement. And I pray that even right now while you're in the media that, that you will, there will be people flocking to you to support this ministry because there's something on you. You're going to watch it. Your leadership skills will begin to increase and draw things. And I just, I would encourage you not to let um, thoughts about yourself get in the way um, because you're pretty great. <laughs> so I bless you in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Don't go. One moment, please. Uh, just picking up on the prophetic word, I, I feel like there's, a, there's another one to give. Uh, Jeannie, okay. if you wouldn't mind standing up. Uh, you know, she's been here just a couple of times, but I, I felt uh, in the night last night that there was a word for you. The meat that we were talking about, the delicious mm. steak meat. Uh, there's been some things Shock that the Lord has cut off of your life uh, that haven't cut off, I should say, in, in recent months and years. The Lord has prepared you and you're ready. You are a, uh, that, that mature uh, meat. I see you teaching a classroom, uh, especially girls, but I see classroom initially like in rows. But then I see the walls going out and then past those, uh, those uh, initial rows. It's going to keep on going as far as I can see to the horizon. And so I don't know if that's a literal classroom or you just beginning to, uh, to minister. I'll talk to Kelly a little bit about this, but I just see it going on and on and on and on. And so, uh, Father, I just want to uh, release uh, Jeannie yes. into that right now in the name yes. of Jesus and just declare over you yes. that you have the gift of the Holy Spirit Thanks, to give Jesus. teaching and to Thanks, what you Jesus. impart into these, uh, these students, these girls especially, um, will transform them into mature believers. Uh, so Isaiah 61 over you, yes. that they will be a rooted, uh, an oak of righteousness in the Lord. You have that anointing to root people and ground them into maturity. That is who you are. You're solid. When people see you, they see wisdom. I see, I see you are one who walks in, in the, the Proverbs 8 wisdom to create new life and to help people usher them into what wisdom yes. really is. You are like the lady yes. of wisdom virtue. You have that within you. And I thank you for that. You're welcome here. This is a, I know you've been here just a couple of times. And so I just want to, um, you know, uh, humbly say this. Uh, you have a home here. It, 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 this is a place where, if you want, um, that, that you'd be welcome here in this place for that gifting. So thank you, John. Yeah, oh, and, yeah, uh, receive that. Uh, sorry, I had to do that. I just felt the check. Uh, and Douglas and Nancy Henry also, if you wouldn't mind saying it, I also saw the, the meat for you guys uh, yeah, as I well. Felt that too. Um, there's been a lot that has been, uh, you know, necessarily cut off, you know, in, in, in these, these yes. years. Um, and it has produced within you guys also that, that same meat. What you have to offer is, is special. It's unique. It's of high value. 
um, to others. And so who you are as a couple is, is high value in the Lord. It's, it's meat that's aged well. You know, sometimes they'll let these things uh, sit for, I don't know, months, uh, you know, before they're, they're matured. You guys have that. And so, you know, you have that, that gift. And I just want to bless you with that as well. So, Father, um, as Nancy and Douglas, as they mentor anybody in their lives, as they pour out their lives into others, that they will be able to release maturity. They'll be able to release uh, long-suffering and patience because of what you guys have also suffered along with, that you'll be able to impart hope for others in what they're having to long-suffer into, uh, that you'll develop perseverance, which leads to character and hope that will never disappoint. And so through y'all's lives, you guys have like a foundation in the Lord to help create that kind of maturity, that kind of like long persevering faith in others as well. And so I just release them into that. I ask Holy Spirit that you would impart that into that. Holy Spirit, that's good. Um, And so, Father, I ask that you would begin to highlight people that they can begin to pour their lives into. And for those in the room that you see these couples, these genie, uh, and you feel like a quickening toward them, just ask them and and see how the Lord might connect you. Because I feel like there's people that that are being drawn to you right now. And so, you know, as the Lord leads, your eyes are open to them. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I felt like a, um, I, the word I was getting over them was like tenderizing. Not, not, I mean, I, sometimes you get beat a little bit, but it makes you into a really flavorful, tender place after going through some stuff. I have one, one last thing on my heart, and yeah, I just lost one of them, but well, Nathan, I'll give it to you, Thibault. You, I, I guess it's for your wife too, but it's okay. I can release it over you. Um, you guys have such a uh, beautiful grace on you guys as parents. Like you're inspiring to me. Um, I, was, I was standing somewhere one time, and I've, I think I've told you this before. I heard how you're talking to your one of your boys, and the way you're talking was like I was amazed at the love and the like, the way you communicated to your son. For your age, especially. Like, that's things I hear grandparents doing typically that have tried the first time, didn't work out so well. <laughs> the second time, they figured it out. You're carrying something that, that is, is really important from a young age that is a, a pastoral grace on, on the two of you for kids and for families. And, and so I just, I want to bless that on you guys. Um, I know your wife's not here, but I just, I, you can take it for her. And so I just bless the, the grace on you guys that you carry to be first and foremost, just, just powerful parents that are loving and that love their children. Well, I speak to any doubts in your mind that, that might creep in that think you're, you know, not doing something well. And I just silence those, I silence those over you. And I encourage you and who the Lord's called you to be. Yeah. I see your shoulders like even widening in the spirit right now. Like I can see like a, even a timidness, like, like standing up in the spirit. Can you stand actually, Nathan? Would you just stand? Just Nathan. All right. um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I feel like as you stand, there's something there. Even as you stand right now, you're standing up out of something. And you are rising up. And God's bringing you up from something that that maybe has been a frustrating place or you felt pulled down or blocked down or, or whatever, but I see you standing up out of that. And, and I command that the angels of the Lord would surround you and your beautiful wife who's walking in right now, that you both would be surrounded by the Lord and the grace that God has put on your life, the both of you, to be parents, but to also be powerful examples of how to speak into children, that you guys would step into that. And, 
You'd step into that. Some of this is new. I even, I even feel like for you, Brianne, that some of the things might even, uh, what I've talked about, that sacrifice, like you may have even paid some of the sacrifice even to be where you're at now. But I feel like even there, there will be some more sacrifice as you step further into what God has for you. Even maybe what people might say. I, I hate to, it's a yuck prophecy, but um, people don't like when someone stands up and they're powerful and God's showing them things and it's, it's challenging the things they've known. And as you stand up and begin to, the, God, the thing God gives to you, and you begin to speak it out, it might challenge some people, even in your family. But I encourage you, stay the course, stay the course, stay the course, stay the course, stay the course. You guys are, are like a prototype of something that God wants to do in the earth right now. And you may not see it, I see it though. And so I bless you guys. I bless you, with, surround you with the angels, with peace and with just, just comfort around you guys. I speak over your family's healing. I don't know why I feel healing, but um, I speak healing for any close or somewhat close family members that need a healing. I release that right now in Jesus' name. And you guys are so blessed and loved, man. So you're doing great. All right, everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Thanks for hanging in there. Thanks for hanging in there. Stop. My wife is razzing me. She's like, for real? <laughs> Third time's a charm. Thank you, Nathan. All right. Uh, um, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Let's give him glory. Let's give him glory. we we'll give you glory. Now, here's where you got to step into sacrifice because I can't give glory for you. There's one thing I cannot do is give glory for you. So if it's awkward, just do it. (laughs) Give you glory. I give you thanks. I give you thanks for what you're doing. I give you all my appreciation. Give you all of my honor. I give you everything, Father. Lord, for what you're doing in this house, in this city, in these lives, we give you the glory. We're just surrounding what you're doing. We're just coming around it and saying, wow, you're so good. You're so good. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give it all to you. We give it all to you. Come on. Come on. I know this is where, you, this is where we normally say, okay, we're done. Let's close. Now we get another chance to step a little farther and give more glory. It all belongs to you, Jesus. You are so beautiful, Father. You're so beautiful. You're so wonderful to me. You're so wonderful to my family. You're so wonderful to my, my kids and my wife, Father. You're so wonderful. You're smiling over us right now. You fill us with joy. We only have joy because of you. You're so good. 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 Yes, yes, yes. I can feel his word being deposited in some of you right now. I feel it being deposited in the room give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory that you're faithful. You're faithful to speak. You're faithful to step in. You're faithful, God. You are a rewarder. We give you glory as, a, as the, the, your nature is to reward your children. You're so good. You're so good.